It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Dwayne Russell to get us underway on AFL Nation, Port Adelaide and Geelong. And Stengel puts it to grass, close kicks off the deck and kicks the goal just inside the post. He gave it to Rosie, sold the dummy, ran into open space, links it up to Butters, stepped around, but saves 45 from goal. Butters goes crack! Gary Rowan sneaks it in at the left-hand posts. He is having maximum impact. Left it there for Burton. Oh, he's launched it at goal. He's got there. That is a mighty roost. Hand passed under pressure. Stengel down to Rowan. Off to Cameron. Off balance. Took the snap. Miraculous. Even for Jez. Finlayson, he is close in and the angle's not severe. He'll come on the J-curve. Finlayson makes his move. And so too does Ports. Late goals in the second term, and the margin is a very manageable seven points now. Dixon out the side, hoping for Pal Pepper. Wines lends a hand. Pal Pepper has it, got it to his boot, trickled into the goal front. Oh, it's run through. It's tied off the deck by Willem Drew. Gets it to attacking 50. Ball falls to the back. Dicconi knocks it down. Stolen Darcy Burn Jones. Todd Marshall with a whole line that's going to swarm at him as he comes around the corner and snaps through his third. Worked it around to Atkins, then to Isaac Smith. His snap sneaks in. The Cats have quietly strung three together. Gelson wins the hard ball. Dixon to Pal Pepper. He's caught by an arm. Shook it. Snapped it. Goldex. Sam Pal Pepper brute force. Port Adelaide looking for an 11th win in a row and Jeremy Finlayson has the one goal closer. He's got four. Goal kicker. Narkel bends that back. That was a work of art. It is a win of the highest order to Port Adelaide given the challenge that was thrown and the circumstances at quarter time. It's as good as any in their 11-game winning streak. Friday is in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Exciting news, Guru. We have Raphael Clark back in the studio. It's been a little bit of an absence, but we've missed you, Raph. Uh, thanks, fellas. Sorry, sorry for the absence. Yeah, bit of work um, remotely. So yeah, it's good to be back in the in the studio with the Guru and yourself, mate, to talk about everything footy and everything that's going on in Darwin. So where have you been, mate? You talk about uh, your work stuff. Has that brought you into state or somewhere else in the territory? Yeah, mainly in the territory. I'm um, working down at. Uh, Jupra National Park, helping them with the new Savannah um, burning um, program yep. they're under, um, and also across the Garo over at Boralula. Um, so, yeah, been seeing a lot of the territory, which is good, um, you know, getting paid to see the territory and, and see some awesome national parks mm. at the same time. I'm, I'm pretty lucky then. I'm still having some guys up in the Cape York as well. So, yeah, covered a fair bit of country over the last 
couple of weeks, yeah, from straight all the way down to the Timber Creek, Catherine region, across the Boralula and all the way up to the, almost the tip of the Cape York. So, yeah, seen some magnificent country and, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty lucky to get paid to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, no doubt, mate. I'm sure you're doing some great work as well. Guru, back in the studio, how are you? Yeah, it's good to have the Holy Trinity back together and, um, yeah. <laughs> Very generous. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what did you get up to this week? Nah, trained a fair bit this week. Trying yep. to, uh, yeah, got the wedding in four weeks, brother's wedding, so trying to knuckle down for that. So, yep. trying to lose a few kegs. I Been on your best behaviour. Trying to be, yes. Um, I went out bush last week to Dundee, which is a good refresher um, to get out of the big city. Um, and then, yeah, back into it now, four weeks of grind. Brother gets officially married today down at the um, water gardens, so I'm going to do that. Nice. And uh, sign that off and wish him the best of luck. Thank you, Ru, um, <laughs> I think the... Just a quick one, Jackson. The guru better be careful of getting this fit, mate. I think a few of the Premier League coaches have been <laughs> sending a few messages yeah, on phone calls to say, you know, can we get you down to the he's club He's been more for a secretive run? around his phone lately. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. Um, I thought he must have something Taking going him on. Taking from the coaching, let's get him back on the field. He's, he's looking in um, playing weight again. Yeah. He is very slim. Hey, obviously exciting stuff for your family. And, and another positive note, your son turned 11, I think, during the week. And yeah. uh, had a bit of a shout-out by the Bombers players. And I was joking off air that, who do you have, Zach Merrill? at Parish and package package yep. yeah who out of those three like how explain I don't know if that was your side of um, of the parenthood that organized that gift but how how does that come about is that through through an app or through a yeah so there's an app called Swish yep. um, and then the players just put on their own sort of you know it does cost money to get a player to do a shout out do the players choose um, their prices yep Players choose their prices. Yeah. Um, I think package was the most expensive, about 150. Jeez. So, but your going rate would be about 125. I reckon. Yeah, I don't, that'd probably sell out. <laughs> but but um, yeah, two meter Pete is his favourite player, and he's not. He wasn't. He's not on there. So oh, he's a bit shattered about that. But he likes Zach Merritt, and obviously Parish and package we love. So. All good in the whole household there. So the package rates himself above <laughs> string, above the other two, does he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Archie Perkins was fifty dollars. I was like, told the um, his mum just get Archie and a few of those younger fellas, you know, because they'll be worth more in the future. But is what it is. I could, probably could have split fifty bucks between the Davy boys, and we could have arranged yeah. something. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, good stuff, mate. Hey, we heard off the top the highlights to last night's game. The Power are uh, arguably the best team in the competition at the moment, um, if not. They're in the top three or, or so. They're thereabouts. They are playing very good football. 16, 14, 110 defeated Geelong, 11, 6, 72. The Cats were right in the game early, a 20-point lead at quarter time. They still maintained a seven-point lead at half time, but very dominant second half by the Power, who outscored Geelong 11, 6 to 4, 3 after that halftime break. What did you make of this one, Rob? No, I thought um, I thought the cats of old had come back in the start of that, um, you know, in the first part of the game and had controlled proceedings a fair bit, and then just the like just with the new rules in the AFL, just the ability to stop when a side surging. Um, Port Adelaide look very good at doing mm. it, don't they, guys? So they kicked six goals or seven goals unanswered after the start of the third quarter, where our boy Horn Francis gave away that free kick to Danger and he kicked that goal. Mm. Um, watching the game previously in the first half, Shawnee Willow had actually said to me, oh, geez, Horn Francis gives away some stupid free kicks. And then he took off to go see his brother and then he gave away that one. So I was like, oh, maybe that's a discussion point in the radio. But, you know, Port Adelaide, when they're up and about, hard to stop. 
Especially he got Big Dicko up forward. He didn't kick a goal as well. Yeah, he just helps him structurally, doesn't he? Even mm. if he's not kicking goals, he still improves the side. <coughs> Raph, you said you've missed a little bit of football with your work commitments, but you must have noticed the power, their resurgence. 11 wins in a row. They're playing some pretty good football at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, definitely, mate. I, I caught last night's game up to the three-quarter time. I thought Port Adelaide was safe, so I thought I'd better get to bed so I'm ready for this morning show <laughs> to look fresh for the boys. Um, yep. But, yeah, um, amazing effort by Port Adelaide, and especially... Hinkley, you know, like the pressure he was under after the first couple of rounds. Um, mm. You know, this day and age, you lose a few games and everyone jumps on you and tells you that you're not the right man for the job. But, you know, what is it, 10 in a row? Or 11, 11, I think. Yeah, now, 11 in yeah. a row. They're looking, they're looking like they're almost the favourites for the flag mm. at the moment with their, with their form. And to be able to come back, you know, um, after being down by about three or four goals um, against you know mm. the last year's premiers it, it shows the, the maturity of the group and just watching their pressure last like it looked like the Saint Kil- how it went St Kilda up and about this year and mm. their pressure is unreal and that's what brought those six goals unanswered and yeah I, I enjoyed watching that from Port Adelaide last night that was awesome to see and just touching on Horn Francis it was, it was quite funny that free kick he gave away because the commentators sort of said oh he threw it where Dangerfield could have caught it but he mm. done the old short arm trick and couldn't reach it and yeah the Pies were pretty quick on that one. Like they could have said, "No, nah, you could have caught that, mate." But so unlucky. But yeah, that's probably a bit of maturity in that as well when he's um, up and about. So mm. no, nah, he's still getting the. I just love the way he goes about. It. His hard ball gets and that. So the yeah. power smashed the cats at the stoppages, twenty six to nine. Yeah. yeah, and it was interesting because the cats obviously they're not blessed with plenty of ruck options, but decided to go in with Blixars as the main guy, and um, they were massively outworked at the clearances. I think, as I said, twenty six to nine. Uh, Willem Drew, Ollie Wines, Dan Houston, and Scott Lysett all recorded four or more second half clearances. Wines in particular had a huge second half, fifteen disposals, eight contested possessions, four clearances, four tackles. Do you think uh, that the cats perhaps got it wrong structure? Yeah, I'm not too yeah sure on that. I think I, I like Port Adelaide in the aspect of that if the elite players are down and they've got someone that'll step up. They've got good depth, don't they? Good depth. Mm-hmm. Um, Ollie Wines was starting on the bench at times just during this year and William Drew, Butters and Rosie were on the ball and for Wines to stand up, it's a very dangerous sort of um, side. Horn Francis Horn and Boat running around. Um, having quieter games and then whenever they need him Hinkley speaks to him a three quarter time and then they lift mm. it's just like you know as Raff would know being in St Kilda in those successful years and with Ross Lyon that you know like a Clinton Jones type would stand up if mm. he wasn't doing a tag and get 30 touches and yeah. that's sort of the vibes they've got and I like that pace on the outside and I think Cats are just yeah I don't, I don't know if you guys what's your you guys read on the Cats now they look like an old team to me, Raf. I don't know what your take is. I'd be interested in your perspective on, um, you know, when St Kilda started to decline and how you how they tried to combat that or how long these players sort of stuck around for because the Cats are going to have a couple of interesting list management decisions at the end of the year. Um, it's a tough one because when they play their best football, they look really, really good, you know. We, we sit here right now as we analyse the game last night and there were periods last night, I'm sure, where all of us three were watching and thought, hey, gee, the Cats are back. Well, you wouldn't want to play the Cats in September. Mm. But then, like a lot of old teams do, like we saw with Richmond earlier in the year, um, they just can't play four quarters anymore. And they can't play with that same level of enthusiasm. And that's probably where I see the Cats. Yeah, that continuous pressure that, you know, they're put under now. And, and you know, the, the game plans that they, the sides play with, like the Cats and that, they're all, you know, if you're working in together, it's all like assimilation. Like you've got that string mm-hmm. attached to you. So if I move, the bloke behind me sort of slides up and helps and replaces or is close enough to help you defend your man so you can roll off and help someone else. And, 
you know, as soon as one bloke doesn't make that spot or, you know, he can't keep up that sustained running and, and mm. doesn't get to the spot where he should be, it, it just falls apart so quickly. You can see how quickly a team can go from one end to the other and kick a goal on you. So, mm. you know, that, that stood out a couple of times last last night as well, and especially when they could... You know, cats. You thought looked like they were out and on the mm. wing, and the pressure just got them. And the Port Adelaide just never stopped running, and you know, turn it over at halfway, and the cats have already set up to be mm. attacking, and then they catch them at the back. And for any team to have three key forwards playing and, and play well and not get in each other's oh, way, yeah, like they luxury, did last night as well, for Port Adelaide, that was awesome to see. Yep. Uh, Chris Scott was a very emotive man last night. I don't know if you saw him at the three-quarter time break, but the cameras captured him uh, with a very strong message to his group. This is what he said about why his team has struggled this year. Oh, there are too many reasons to, to talk about in, in this forum, but I think right at the moment, if you sort of go back and compare us to us at our best. There are, there are a whole range of reasons and, and most of them sort of revolve around the lack of cohesion and, and personnel we've had. We feel like we've got some guys back and even the guys we've brought back, you know, clearly we didn't expect them to be at their best straight away after missing so much footy, but um, even when we have got some guys back, you know, then they go and get injured again. Danger was another example. The first quarter we looked pretty good with him in there and then you sort of lose him and that, that's been the pattern a little bit for us and so I mean if you look at the outcome that we're just getting scored against when the ball goes inside um, uh, our defensive 50 which um, has traditionally been something we've been good at but it's clearly an area we need to improve still a little bit more of this game that I want to digest we do need to go to a break very soon but as a Bombers supporter uh, Robert Sparkle Narkle made his debut last night for the Power. Is that a player that perhaps the Bombers could have explored, or are you thinking that maybe he was one that you know it's all good, expendable, not one that? Uh, I think he could have been a player that could have added to the footy club. You know, we have a good base of Indigenous <coughs> players there now as well. Um, but obviously, I think the Bombers were going to take him with mm. pick two, but um, Port Adelaide swooped Jumped in. in. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a gr- it's a massive like it's a great effort. Um, he definitely looks a lot fitter. Mm. Um, than what he was at Geelong, which sort of tells you it's not ideal. I think he probably should have known that before, yeah. but is what it is. Yeah, um, he slimmed down eight kilos. I think yeah, that's what I so noticed before he so um, was training with Richmond over the off-season. And I thought, eight kilos, geez, I didn't think he was carrying too much weight. But you do mm. seem to notice it now. He does look a lot lighter yeah, on his feet. Good. Um, yeah, good-looking bloke with the hair and the, the tan. <laughs> he looks good. Um, probably wouldn't struggle off-field. Drive some of the shit. But, um, no, he's not the super... Like, you know, most Aboriginal players are, are quick, you know, and he's not. But he was good in patches. He was a little bit fumbly, so he's going to be better for the run, which is really good. Yeah, he offers a few strings to his bow, I reckon. Mm. I reckon he can play up forward, and he's not that mercurial, you know, elite skills around goal, even mm. though he doesn't struggle in that department. Um, but he's also a ball-winning midfielder, too. You see yep. at VFL level, he's getting his 30-plus touches. Um, Raph, I do want your opinion on Quentin Narkle, but before that, this is what Ken Hinckley had to say on Narkle in the mid-season draft selection. Yeah, he got a bit of luck. Unfortunately, Junior gets crook, pulls out. He plays just. He gets knowledge that he's playing today, and it's his first game two weeks after he arrives. I mean, it just. I think what it shows again that the mid-season draft's got some great benefits in it for everyone if you if you do your work well and um, you, you know you identify what you need. So there's been a number of players already play from the mid-season draft. I think it works really well. People who are desperate and keen to uh, make the most of their opportunity and high quality high quality person brave enough to take it on and certainly gives himself a chance. 
Raph, it's good to see Sparkle Narkle receive an opportunity. He would have had to deal with a lot of disappointment. Told by Geelong not, that he's not wanted. Told by Richmond after, you know, four or five months of training that he hasn't passed the cut. Um, Essendon have looked after him well, but at the same time wasn't picked by them. And then Power come in and two weeks later he's making his debut. Yeah, and just like uh, Hinkley touched on then, if you, if you really want to be back in the system and you do the work like, the mid-season draft offers that and that's that's a good thing to see and now it was great to see him back out there last night and had an impact straight away kicked a couple of goals i think yeah, oh, at two, least I one yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah and you, i think he's one of those players that sort of see that sort of stuff happening before it does and mm. and reads it really well especially when he's on the ball he, he tends to get a lot of clearances that no one expects him to get so mm. he sort of just reads it a bit better than everyone else i i, I think one of his best things is yeah no nah, no doubt plenty more to come here on fridays in the top end thanks to rain and horn darwin Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Boys, it's a big week in the Darwin sporting community with the supercars in town. And we have Aaron Noonan on the line, who is a commentator for the Darwin Triple Crown. Aaron, are you here this morning? Oh, g'day. Good morning. Great to talk to you. It's, uh, yeah, big week in the territory. Top end, supercars, indigenous round, new look cars, new look championship this year. And the 25th anniversary. So it all, it all bodes together pretty well for what should be a good weekend. So straight off the bat, tell us a little bit about Indigenous Round. So you're talking to three people who have very little idea about motorsport, unfortunately, this morning. But when we speak of Indigenous Round, we think of uh, the rugby league teams and the AFL teams, and they run out in their special jumpers and all that sort of stuff. What are the cars doing? Yeah, it's a little bit of a change. Uh, obviously, yeah, with, with the footy codes, it's uh, you know, jumpers, are, uh, you've got to create a, a fair few of them for all of your, your players. You need some spares, don't mm. you? But for a supercar, um, what they've actually done, and, and they did this last year, it was the first year last year for the Indigenous round, it's the second uh, year that they've done it in a row, uh, they've actually changed the cars. It's in the rules. You, you can't just do a little bit of art on it. They've done, some of these teams have gone absolutely to town um, with artists from uh, a lot from the top end, some from other parts of Australia, um, who've come up with some amazing artwork to, to modify the looks of the cars. Obviously, they've all got different sponsors, different colours, and they've been able to integrate some of this First Nations artwork together um, to, to make all, all 26 cars that will be on the grid this weekend look completely different to how they looked the last time that the supercars raced, which was a few weeks ago, uh, down in Tassie. So um, it's a really unique one-off weekend, and I think a lot of the teams last year loved the Indigenous livery so much that they kept them on the cars for the next round in Townsville because it's a big process. They re-wrap these cars in huge stickers across all the panels. Um, it's a pretty big process. So for all the effort and the work that the teams have gone to and the artists have gone to, they like to find a way to, to keep it flying for a little bit longer and run it for the, the following rounds of the Supercars Championship. So it's a great way. for Obviously, motorsport doesn't have the same... Uh, indigenous involvement that the footy codes mm. do. There, there's some work going on behind the scenes and in various programs. There's a great program actually based up in Queensland called Racing Together that's brought together a, a range of Indigenous youth who are uh, building and preparing and racing uh, cars, little Hyundai Excels, uh, in some, some racing up there and getting them involved in the motorsport industry. So um, not quite the same as the footy codes from the involvement and the history, but certainly a, an acknowledgement of, of where the sport wants to go in the future, which is which is great. And look, the top end is the perfect place to, to have this round for supercars. And it's a really important round for the championship because this year's the 25th anniversary of the first time that the V8 supercars went to Darwin, which was back in, in 1998. And that made the championship fully national, going to every state, every territory bar 
the ACT. It's just way too cold there to go car racing. Or to have most sports, really. Um, and it's been an important, integral part of the supercars ever since. Just a quick one on some of those Indigenous designs. Where did you source those designs from? Uh, have the artists come from up in the Northern Territory or are they ones that are associated with the teams and the drivers? Where, where have the designs been submitted from? Yeah, well, the, the teams have, have connected in a lot of areas and there's about 12 different teams in the Supercars Championship that um, make up the 26 cars that will be racing this weekend. So some teams run two cars, some run three, some run four. There's one team that's only got the one car for themselves so quite often it's been the artists that they connected with last year they've, they've kept them involved for this year and, and and worked again but there are some artists from the top end um, some of the teams have um, various sponsors who have partnerships with various um, connections to indigenous artists so uh, in a lot of the cases it's been the teams that have gone and actually done the the, the work in terms of finding the artists and, and quite a few are, as you said yeah they're, they're in the top end which makes it even more special and connected given that the round is going to be uh, in Darwin this weekend as well. Yes, yeah, uh, Robbie Hoey, it's uh, very good work uh, getting in the um, greater, the larger community as well. Just for the average Joe that doesn't watch uh, supercars, can you just tell us from Friday to Sunday how the, how it's uh, broken down and what happens? Yeah, well, it's, it's a triple crown round as it's been called in Darwin for, for many years, Rob. So, Friday, um, today, cars on track. Obviously, there's a bunch of support categories as well that fill the gaps between the supercars, but it's all about the supercars. You know, they're the, the main game show. Uh, they're on track today for a couple of practice sessions, so they get a chance to have a look at the track. It's been 12 months since the last round up there, so it gets their eye in. And, of course, this year too, we should point out, in supercars, for many years, pretty much as long as we can remember, it was Ford versus Holden. But now Holden's mm. gone, unfortunately. So... For General Motors fans who were Holden fans, there's at least now a Chevrolet Camaro for them to cheer for to, to go up against Ford. So the cars are all new this year, so the drivers and teams are still learning how to get the best out of them. So that's going to be good for this weekend because it's, it's hard to pick a winner, which is always good, never good when it's highly predictable. Uh, but this weekend, um, we'll see on Saturday the top 10 shootout where the 10 fastest qualifiers will run against the clock on their own to determine the top 10 spots on the grid for the race on Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday, they'll do two qualifying sessions to set the grid for two more races. So three races across the weekend, 300 championship points available, 100 for the winner in each of the three races. And if a driver can clean sweep the weekend, win all three races, they win the Triple Crown, which is one of the hardest uh, awards in supercars to win. It started in 2006. It took until 2019 for Scott McLaughlin, who's now in America racing IndyCars, to win it. It's one of the hardest things. So we'll, I think it'll be really interesting to see if one driver can win all three races this weekend. That's going to be pretty tough. And is also, is there any difference between, um, obviously, the heat up here with the tyres um, compared to for the lads when they're driving down south? Ooh, yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. I mean, the last round was in Tassie a couple of weeks ago and, and the weather was... Uh, it wasn't wet, but it wasn't very warm. So, yeah, tyres are a big effect, but the other element, the, the driver because uh, these cars are pretty tight and confined in their roll cages and the doors and they seal them up to try to make them go down the straights as fast as possible aerodynamically. So um, obviously that affects the cooling. And there was a bit of a controversy earlier in the year um, in Newcastle, the first round of the championship there, where the Red Bull cars, Shane Van Gisbergen, and Brock Feeney, two of the top drivers in the sport, their cars were excluded from finishing first and second 
because they didn't have their dry ice box, which feeds their driver cooling system in the right spot according to the rule book. So there was a big drama about all of that. I think they've all got their cool boxes in the right spot for this weekend. But if you're in Darwin and you're at the back of the um, the pits this weekend and you can't see any race drivers, look for a rubbish bin filled with icy water. There'll probably be a supercar driver sitting in one because they tend to want to cool off after they've been in the car for a race of you know 40, 50 minutes. Uh, if the ambient temperatures you know in the 30s, the temperature inside the car is is comfortably in the 40s or the 50s, and of course they're wearing. You know, those multi-layer fireproof race suits, balaclavas, helmets. Um, it, it's a pretty toasty workplace environment to, to have. So uh, they're always looking for a cool drink and a, and a suit down at the end of it, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Brody Kostecki is leading. Um, who's your tip for the Triple Crown this weekend? Yeah, he's hard to go past. Yeah, he's hard to go mm. past, mate. Brody's been... Um, uh, he, he's a guy in his third year in the championship. He, he's from Western Australia originally. He spent some time racing in, in America when he was a little bit younger. I mean, he's still young. He's he's, he's not a uh, an ancient bloke by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's yep. uh, only 25. So um, his team, the Erebus team, have really started the year really well. Um, so he, he's the obvious guy to go for. But I think the interesting thing is we've had 12 races in the championship so far this year across four rounds. And um, interestingly, the leader of the championship going into each of those races has not won a race in that race. So no one's been the championship leader and winning to do it. So uh, he might be the guy that bucks the trend this weekend. He's leading by 87 points over his teammate Will Brown from Toowoomba uh, in Queensland. Chaz Mostert's third. He's the best of the Fords. He had a win up in Darwin uh, last year. And then Shane Van Gisbergen, last year's champion, is fourth and Brock Feeney's fifth. So the Camaros have been the dominant car so far this year. The Ford fans desperately want the Mustang drivers to run well this weekend. Uh, we'll see that big, long straight at Hidden Valley. Uh, it goes forever. It's like 1.1 kilometres. You could eat your lunch while you're going down there. Uh, it will sort out the, uh, the fast cars from the not-so-fast cars, that's for sure. Yeah, Aaron, uh, Raf Clark here, mate. My, my question is, um, I've seen that it's uh, the first time there's been a lot of, like Annie mentioned as well, a lot of young drivers um, that are winning the championship or leading. Is that, is that good for the sport to bring in new supporters and, and the younger generation to really get behind uh, these young fellas like you just mentioned? Um, Gibbs Bergen is only 25, like guys like that. Is that, is that awesome for the sport? Oh, Raph, I reckon it is, mate. I mean, there's always a... It's like, you, you know, really well in AFL, there's always that changing of the guard, isn't there? There's, yeah, definitely. You know, those, those veteran legend players who, you know, have been around forever and then, you know, everyone has an end, like you can't play forever. Um, and it's a bit the same way in supercars. I mean, you know, Jamie Winkup, seven-time champion, decided a, a couple of years ago to pull the pin. Um, I guess the other thing with, with supercars... They can come back because they're co-drivers for the, the, the races at Bathurst later in the year. So it's kind of like a halfway retirement for some of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the list of drivers this weekend, plenty of them, uh, Brody Kostecki's 25, Will Brown's 25. They're first and second of points. Brock Feeney's 20. I feel old when I look at, you know, drivers who are, are 20 now. He's barely got his um, license. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly right. Exactly he's, right. On still. He's, a, he's got a young-looking face, too. They might need to check his racing license this weekend. But, uh, yeah, plenty of drivers in their 20s, Raph, who are making, um, making ground, and, and the bigger teams are giving them the opportunity. That's the really big element here. So 
I think what those Erebus team drivers have done, Kostecki and Brown this year, I reckon there's a few team owners who are probably looking at their drivers who are... And look, let's not be ageist here. If it doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you drive fast. But I reckon they're probably thinking, well, where do we find our, you know, Brody Kostecki or our Will Brown yep. in their 20s moving forward to, you know, energise for the future and a bit like footy too. You know, you see some clubs who regenerate with youth and all of a sudden it's that exuberance and new thinking and... Um, and, and youth that really just drive together and, and drive an outcome that might not have happened if you'd stuck with the you know the same old same old. So yeah, yep. it's good for the sport and, and and new faces and new names are always good because you have to build the new heroes of you know the next generation for sure. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you very much for giving up your time this morning. Uh, it's normally a hot weekend for some reason. My memories as a child going to the V8 supercars is always very hot up in Darwin, but we walked into the studio today with a jumper on, so you might be blessed with some pretty good weather this weekend. So good luck with it all, Aaron. Pleasure, guys. Of course, uh, supercars on Sunday on SEN uh, around Australia and New Zealand, including in the top end. James Moffat's calling the action with me. Uh, two big races on Sunday. It's going to be great. Good to chat with you guys. Have a great morning, and uh, for everyone heading to Hidden Valley Raceway this weekend, enjoy the action. Thank awesome, you, mate. Love it. Love it. So, of course, as Aaron said, SEN Supercars live coverage on Sunday from 11.30 a.m. Darwin time. SEN Top End covering the Darwin Triple Crown. Aaron will be commentating, of course. Robbie, Raf, who's your tip in the supercars? Let's put it out there. I'm going to go with Kostecki. Going to go on a limb. Yeah, I'll back Aaron in and go with Vance Gibbon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with him as well. <laughs> go yeah. with the professional, mate. <laughs> yeah, why not? That's it. Why not? I've learned a few names then. Good stuff. Yep. I'm going to be a big supporter now. Yeah. That was a good chat. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Gee, it's been a controversial week on the MRP and tribunal front. Obviously, the big one was Hawthorne skipper James Sicily receiving a three-week ban for his tackle against Hugh McCluggage last weekend. Plenty of talk about that. Um, it's been the topic of conversation for about five days now. The Hawks are looking to appeal the decision. As football purists, as people that coach locally, what was your thought on that, the Sicily incident? Yeah, I think if I'm going through history, the last few years, it's it hasn't... Um, yeah, I think... The outcomes is just, yeah. The outcomes now are the primary sort of thing, isn't it? So Pretty much. You don't. Think a bloke gets concussed, you're in trouble. Yeah, mm. a bloke gets concussed, no matter how the circumstances mm. are, even if it's accidental. It seems like they're looking at it at least. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of like your, it's your fault. I don't think there's has there been. It's any almost this year? guilty Where, until proven innocent. If yeah. someone is concussed, you have to prove that you've done everything in your duty of care to avoid that outcome. I reckon. I, I, I do think just because of the outcome, it's a one weaker, mm. but. I don't think it's a three, and I think there's a lot of people that think it shouldn't even be one week. Yeah, bottom line. definitely, because you, you look at the way Sicily does it. He's, it's like a diving action mm. as well. Like he's mm. not, you know, had a fifty, like a chance to bloody. You well, know, he was sitting in his bum, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's he's come from the ground to tackle him, and then yeah, like he, and you never tackle even with intent to, you know, I'm going to knock this bloke over, nah. especially nah. AFL level, like it's, yeah. um, and you just want to tackle as hard as you can. Um, because if you don't, and that's the way you've, you've taught and that's the way you, you train. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a definitely like like you're saying, it's a result of if you get a head knock, doesn't matter if it's from the, you know, the bloke tackling you, it's, it's, most of the time it's the ground and then you're done. Like, yeah. Since they're concussed, it's, you might as well, here's your one week. And most of these um, incidents, I can you can like look at it and when you put them into slow-mo, you could say like it was, um, 
reckless, you yeah. know. But mm. it's like when you're going at a contest 100 miles an hour and you're meant to impact a contest, half a contest, yeah. it makes it really tricky because then straight away on the commentary, you'd get yeah. called out for being yeah. soft, not exactly. going hard enough. Oh, exactly. yeah. so uh, plus, obviously, Raf's the only one in this table that knows yeah. what it's like to play AFL, but can you imagine the speed at which oh, the game's yeah. played? Like, you know, we step up from a reserve to NTFL Premier League or something and it's like, oh, gee, the ball's zipping around fast here, let alone at AFL level. You don't have time, I reckon, to, you know, analyse every single movement that you're making on the field. I understand basic duty of care, things like that front-on-bump rule that they changed about a decade ago makes a lot of sense to me, but gee, it's a it's a very slippery slope, this one. I think yeah. about AFL coaches, and you look at a guy like Luke Beveridge, and, and this is what he had to say about the vision, uh, showing vision and the AFL's release last week, um, and where his players sit. Purely because um, I can't tell the players to go out and avoid accidents, and um, the main thing with our players is there's a discipline in what we do and our players don't go out and intend to hurt anyone when they tackle, they tackle within the rules. But, you know, occasionally if there's a player momentum or the, the size of the player, the tackler is bigger than the, the player they tackle or there's more momentum from a certain direction, sometimes it's just it's difficult. So, because you can't control that, um, we just chose not to, not to show the vision. Interesting stuff there, I reckon, by Bevo. How do you handle it from a coach's perspective? Because everything that happens at the elite level eventually flows down locally. So if you're coaching a local club next year in Darwin and they basically say, hey, we're going to crack down on this and, and fall into line like the AFL is, how are you going to coach your team? Would you make any changes or would you go the Bevo approach? Oh, probably the same approach, but, <clears throat> yeah, you never go tell your players to go unless we're going we're gonna to tackle everyone and try and hurt them when we tackle them or, you know... As soon as I see someone run past the footy to, you know, to run into someone, that's that's a big no-no in, in my eyes, and that's definitely not in the rules. So, mm. you know, but when you, that's the thing when you we talk about like, you know, those fifty-fifty balls, and if you don't want to go in any harder now because mm. you might accidentally bump him in the head when you're trying to pick the footy up, um, you know, you you could find yourself on the receiving end. But if you pull out of that contest, you you hear it from your coach, your teammates, you know, your supporters, and imagine doing it on an AFL stage. Oh, like 100%. You, everyone's an expert in AFL days and on the social media stuff especially. So Yeah, yeah and all the footy shows put you in that perspective as well. I think if I was coaching, I'd just ride it out because the NTFL tribunal can be very inconsistent. So. Mm. I wouldn't really, you know, and it's sort of the way I think Luke Beveridge is, is that if you if an accident happens where you knock a player out, we can't really do much yeah, anyway, exactly. so it's like, what's the point? You're going to get, you're going to cop your whack. Well, we yeah, spoke about so. it off air. I think it's a fairly uh, accurate assessment to say that if you can cuss someone in an incident playing football, it's almost guilty until proven innocent, and you have yeah. to, you have the the right, you know, you have to prove that you haven't done anything wrong rather than the other way around and they prove that you've done something yeah, wrong. Yeah, and, and we do have big, massive legal ramifications for this though now so I think that is also something that's driving this behind the scenes mm, um, yeah. so yeah the lawyers will be earning their money this the, year yeah, yeah the future like Making people having problem, you know yeah having memory loss and stuff like that we hear with you know, yeah. previous concussion rule uh, you know stuff and but the one I, the mental one I, I find tricky because that's like that's a 50-50 ball they get there at the same time for the mm. fellow to get um, you know three weeks for that that's <laughs> that's a harsh one because that's the one I'll talk about that 50-50 ball um, you know if he pulls out and lets him grab it you know mm. and tackles him as hard as he can he probably hurts him more the way when he tackles him as well because well, he's going 100 mile an hour <laughs> Byron Pickett would have been in some trouble oh, if he, he played yeah. in these days wouldn't he yeah he would he probably <laughs>
probably be, he'll probably spend more time on, on the sidelines than actually playing because you know even the way he tucked the footy if you're in the way he's hurting you while he's picking the ball mm. up and you know nowadays if you did that these days you, you'd get in trouble and they'll get the free kick and he'd probably receive a couple of match suspension as well yeah 100 percent. so i do agree raf uh, i'm a tiger man but i did look at the mantle incident last week and as soon as i saw it i thought he's going to be in big trouble and it doesn't mean that i'm disagreeing with your point about you know mantle didn't have a lot of other options and he would have been criticized if he pulled out of the contest but obviously 2023 it's a different sport yep. now and um it didn't surprise me one bit to see that he was offered the three weeks sicily perhaps a little bit of a surprise given the commentary around that straight away from everyone in the media was surely this doesn't get looked at yeah. um, I definitely wasn't thinking surely it won't get looked at I knew it would definitely get looked at given that you know McCluggage was so groggy when he got up um, but I don't know if you watched the football last night and there was talk about potentially Patrick Dangerfield getting looked at for a tackle that he did on Connor Rosie if that is looked at even more than five seconds that'll be one of the worst decisions ever it's absolutely yeah, it's... terrible if that happens Dangerfield executed probably the perfect tackle on you start to lose a lot of um, AFL oh, old school fans very quickly, um, and it's heading down that path if they keep this up. So mm. yeah, it's it's not good for the game. State of uh, if I was rugby league, I'd be marketing the state of origin as the sport with the big hits and the yep. big bumps and the tackles, and and try and capture some of that market because there will be some people getting more and more disenfranchised with the way the game's going in the AFL. And I'm the last bloke that puts up and says, oh, you know, back in my day, footy was tough or footy's too soft now. Definitely not saying that. I've still got tremendous respect to anyone playing AFL and how tough they are, but the, the product and, and visually how it looks with all these rules and the coaches openly putting their hand up and players openly putting their hand up and saying they're confused, it's a little bit of a concern for our game, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but I reckon basketball and soccer are going to be the big beneficiaries of this stuff. Um, soccer does have some mild concussion stuff coming through. Rugby league is very touchy now, though, with concussions as well, um, especially when you're watching games, HIAs and some... You know, if a player gets in, you know, any little head knock back in the day, you know, they just play mm, on. Just keep going, yeah. 10 or 15 in the bin. Is there much yes, of that in junior rugby league? Obviously, your son plays. Is there a lot of like, hey, if you get hit in the head, we'll, we'll keep the kid off the rest of the game? Or is it still a bit I haven't wild seen rest? anything like that at the moment. But yeah. um, my son got knocked out playing footy, so he wears a head guard now in league. Yeah. But um, no, nah, I haven't seen anything like that yet. Mm. But there hasn't been any incidents. Interesting. Probably talk about all that stuff all day, but we do need to go to the news very, very shortly. So yep. stay with us here. Plenty of AFL action last week and this week that we will get through and much more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, want to be treated like a very important punter? GetSetPet.com. I'll say that again. GetSetBet.com.au. Get onto it. Craig Driver, are you on the line this morning? I'm here, guys. How are we? Very good. Thanks, mate. A bit of a uh, mouthful at the start there, but I'll get that right for the third time. GetSetBet.com.au if you want to be treated like a very important punter. Hey, you have a bit of interest in tonight's game in the AFL between Brisbane and Sydney. What do you have out there for us and which way do you see this one going? Uh, look, it's pretty hard to see anything other than a, a Lions win, although uh, I could have said the same about them last week against the Hawks. Mm, they're unpredictable. Um, yeah, unbelievable. But they, look, they're back to the Gabba. Hard to beat up there. Uh, no buddy for Sydney. Heaney's out as mm. well. Um, but not a lot of value in the dollar twenty-two about Brisbane. You'd have to say. 
Um, maybe if you if you like them uh, and you think they're going to win big, twenty seven and a half start is the line. Um, but yep. we've seen a little bit of money for the Swans at that at the twenty seven and a half start. Yeah, I think uh, um, it, it, it's an interesting one. I reckon the Swans are obviously have got a lot to play for coming out of form a little bit. But you're right, no Heaney, no Franklin sways it in Brisbane's favour. 100%. Yeah, look, as I say, pretty hard to see anything other than a Brisbane win in this one, I think. Yep, and the state of origin generating plenty of interest at the moment. I'm a New South Wales man, so we have plenty to do if we're going to even the ledger in this series. But what what are the markets telling us for next Wednesday's game? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a New South Wales man as well. But, uh, look, Brisbane... Oh, sorry, Brisbane. Queensland's just got such an amazing record up there. They've actually won close to two-thirds of the matches between the two sides. Um, look, I, I, I think the Blues can do it. I don't think there's too much between the two teams. Uh, and what I do think is there's a massive difference in the betting at the moment. So, obviously, Cleary out. Uh, Latrell mm. ruled out yesterday, and that had a huge effect on the market. Queensland went from a dollar sixty to a dollar forty uh, on the yeah, back wow. of Latrell being ruled out yesterday. For me, that's mm. that's too much of, of a correction. Uh, two not two dollars ninety five. The Blues seems an incredible price. About two fairly evenly matched sides. Uh, so, you know, at the value for me, it, it's about the Blues. Maybe, again, uh, you know, if you're not that confident, maybe take them with the six-and-a-half start, uh, which is fairly generous in, in origin. Yeah, I was going to say that origin games always even out. It's a bit like an AFL grand final, even though they have blown out a little bit in recent years, but a state of origin game normally uh, fairly close encounters between these two teams. Awesome, Craig. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. You have a great weekend. Same to you guys. Good luck. Awesome. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. That was Craig Driver from getsetbet.com.au. Robbie and Raf, actually, Robbie, all good, mate. I reckon I've spoken to you about this, but Raf, the state of origin, uh, where do your allegiances lie? Are you a New South Welshman or a Queenslander? Uh, Queenslander. Um, yeah, we're a bit closer to the Queenslander than New South mm-hmm. Wales, but yeah, a few of the mates, you know, back in my footy days, um, you know, had a good, um, close relationship with Greg Inglis and, you know, those boys from the Melbourne Storm, because we yep. did a lot um, the courses with them, um, you know, with education stuff, um, so had a good really and especially Willie Chambers being mm. a territory boy um, he was there at the storm as well so yeah I'm a big big Queenslander mate and most of my family are besides the old girl mum if she's listening in we're trying to still convince <laughs> her to come across and um, but yeah hearing the news of Latrell out now as well yeah. um, that's that's definitely going and leaning in Queensland's yeah. favour. And the big one, I, I'm like, I'm not a no rugby expert, but um, leaving Nico um, Hind out, mm. you know, the, the best player from the comp last year, they played him for 20 minutes last week or the last 10. Do you like and the theory around picking all the Penrith players to try and get that team sort of synergy, or is that a bit of an overkill? It's a bit of an overkill, I believe. Um, you know, they are a dominant team, and, and mm. like when Storm are up and about, you know, yeah. you know, um, but then again, Storm had been in the last four or five grand finals or, you know, always thereabouts and Penrith have only done it for two years. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm no rugby expert. We maybe need to get someone in like Willie May for a chat <laughs> next time we talk state of origin. But by then, I think if, if Queensland went on Wednesday, yeah. um, there's no point because it's all over. <laughs> yeah, nothing worse than those uh, three-game yeah, series. Dead yeah, dead Yeah, dead rubber. <laughs> uh, NRL NT is also heating up. Litchfield are on top of the table. Northern Sharks second. Brothers third. Palmerston fourth. 
Willie Mays mobbed South Darwin in fifth, off the bottom of the ladder for the first time in probably quite a while. And Nycliffe, who are on the bottom of the ladder for what I imagine would be the first time in quite a while. There's a triple header at the Territory Rugby League Stadium tomorrow. Brothers versus South, Nycliffe versus Palmerston, and then no doubt the match of the round, the top of the table clash between Northern Sharks and Litchfield. Pretty interesting results in NRL NT. Willie would be happy about getting South off the bottom. Yeah, mate, and, um, you know, he's starting to really build that really big team bond that he wanted to mm. uh, build a really good group, um, and they, you know, really starting to form that. Um, I caught up with them last week. They had a, a golf weekend on last weekend and um, had a few beers with the boys, and he's got a really good, strong squad getting together now and, and that real good mateship. Um, mm. I think that's a key with any side. Like, if you can build a group that wants to hang out and always be together in their moments, um, you know, on field they'll even... that bond off field and on field mm. gets stronger and stronger i think you you got it starts that there, start, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the right way to start i, I believe yeah and um he, you know he won those reserve grade premierships as well at nycliffe and then they didn't put him up to the senior job mm. and now they've nycliffe are down the bottom and he beat him a week or two ago yep. so that'd be a great feeling for him um having that doubt on him or for whatever reason and then taking south a win over nycliffe and dragons are a powerhouse of the comp and sitting bottom so yeah, that's and- massive in itself no doubt he would have used that as ammunition, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, massive fuel. Um, but very good. Obviously knows the sport of rugby league, and it's good to see a struggling team, whether it be South or anyone. If you struggle for years, yeah, when you see them start to sort of come wins. down. Yeah, it's always very exciting. Uh, top of the table clash tomorrow, Northern Sharks and Litchfield. Who have you got in that one? I'm going to go with the Bears. I think they're in really good form at the moment. Obviously, I haven't seen a lot of, um, of rugby league, so I haven't looked at the teams or anything like that up here. But the Bears on face value for me. Yeah, I'll lean towards the Sharks because um, just going from their year last year, they've still got the yep. same squad. Um, yeah, so I'm backing the Sharks in. Yeah, I'll probably go to the Sharks on this one just from past histories. Um, last few years, they've been the dominant side. And I don't, looking at their team list, it looks pretty similar to their premiership mm. years. Yeah, I was a uh, rabid North Sydney Bears supporter as a five-year-old before they got kicked out of the comp, so I've got to, got to back my Bears boys in, <laughs> Rob and Raff. Uh, in the NRL, Panthers sit on top of the table alongside Broncos, Storm, Rabbitohs, Sharks, Warriors, Raiders, and the Manly Seagulls round out the top eight. Uh, very interesting game tonight with North Queensland and Penrith. You would have to think the Panthers will be too strong in this one. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, the Panthers, origin? Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll have be. origin commitments, uh, Panthers. So they'll have a few players out. Team um, of champions beat a champion team? Yeah. Especially up at uh, home. Well, yeah. North Queensland surprised us last week by beating by, by beating Storm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, some of the rugby league mass is quite difficult compared to football yeah. mass, yeah. you know. Especially um, during the origin weeks. Oh, yeah. the origin weeks. And if, if you don't, you, even myself, you know, I, I probably keep a, a fair tab on rugby league without being a nuffy. And mm. even I get the tips quite wrong often, mm. you know, so... But even the punters do, so... Yeah, it's a... Do you reckon more unpredictable the NRL than the AFL? I think so, but the AFL's now gotten to a good yeah. stage on the equalisation. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. We don't need to touch on last week's results, but Hawthorne winning, there wasn't too many that tipped that. Even no. Melbourne and Col- uh, Collingwood being not too far in the betting, I, mm. I think 20, 20 to 25% of people would have tipped Melbourne. This week's the same. There's a fair few 50-50 games, like obviously Richmond St Kilda, Carlton Gold Coast, um, Greater Western Sydney Fremantle. So it's a pretty even competition this year, I believe. Yeah, and and that's what I was touching a bit back on a few weeks ago with Essendon's performance against North. I think at AFL level, you've only got to be off 5%. The team's got to be up mm. and about 5%, and you, you lose now with the equalisation. There's 
strong work that goes into equalisation now in the league and I think that's why uh, to previous years and I think that's why West Coast now seeing yeah. the position there is pretty harsh uh, it is just nuffy behaviour though Rob like we know mm. that we use footy maths to support whatever argument we want to make like for mm. example I'm a Richmond man you're a Bombers man if we come out and smash North Melbourne by 100 points I'd use that as justification that the Tigers are a better team than the Bombers you know mm. that's just what footy nuffies like us like to do um, SEN Fridays in the top end plenty of footy chat coming up thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter have a bit of a bone to pick with Rob Hale in the studio because he's brought up an argument and a talking point about five seconds before we need to queue but <laughs> I think my marketing idea Rob about Promoting the big hits and the big collisions for the state of origin, not under 10s rugby, would be a good idea, mate. But we understand protecting the head is paramount across all these collision sports. Plenty in the news about concussion and all the lawsuits involving that. So in an interesting predicament, um, sport worldwide, I reckon, with the head knocks. And that'll be interesting to see 50 years' time, sort of what's changed. Obviously, the NFL are probably the... I don't want to say the world leaders, but the ones that are bringing most attention to um, CTE and things like that. Um, and obviously the boxing world will be forever associated with that. Yep. Speaking of American sport, Denver has won its maiden NBA championship after defeating Miami in the series 4-1. Um, what was your thought about that, Raf? As a basketball man, I thought the Nuggets were playing very good basketball towards the back end of the season and probably for a little while looked like maybe the team to beat. Um, and it's good to see them win it, their first yeah, one. Yeah, definitely um, break history first one for the, the club and mm-hmm. um, yeah the, the big joker I think he's you know they've, they've been in the top three or four sides all year and you know they look like a favourite all along um, you know they've had back to back years in the finals um, mm. and looked very close last year and in the previous years as well so now nah, well done to the big the big joker and, and his crew and he's taken out all the awards this year and you know normally that's what you see the MVP takes mm. his team to the finals and backs it up with a finals MVP so yeah well, well Embiid won it this year so he Jokic won the last two before that um, and easily could have been a three time winner obviously the finals MVP Raf uh, Nikola Jokic probably well not probably that would be selling him short easily one of the best basketballers in the world are you a Jokic fan Rob? Yeah, he's definitely grown on me. and um, seen it's grown him. on you. You didn't like yeah. him at first. Oh, no, I just never really followed too oh, yeah. much and no. just seen all the social media enoughness. And just then, not my slam um, dunks here. Yeah. yeah, and I always <laughs> like the stories of, you know, blokes that get picked up later in the draft and that mm. sort of thing, and that's what's happened to him. And, yeah. Um, and some of the, you know, seen some of the highlights during the week, even when they were game five, when he's taking that free throw, free throw and then he's listening um, to, you know, to the oppo, listening to Miami, what, they, what play they're going to run next, and then goes and predicts the play. I think the best thing I like about it is, you know, they show that you can draft a, a young crew and build it, and, yeah. you know, he's mm. you know, he's Murray, the point guard, you know, they've been together from day one there, yep. and, you know, because you hear about these super teams, and all of a sudden mm. they go, you know, like Phoenix Suns go get Kevin Durant, and everyone's like, oh, they're going to win it, yeah. um, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that when, you know, teams can just go and grab two of the best players in the comp, and, you know, all of a sudden become favourites, so yep. it's good to see a club that's you know, um, built it from the, the the draft picks and kept them all together. And mm. you know, their their side is like um, five or six blokes that went undrafted. You know, and picked yeah. up later. And and you know, that's a, that's an amazing story in itself. So yeah. a few Brooklyn Nets discards as well, like Bruce Brown yep. and you know Jeff Green's at I think he's eleventh or twelfth club. So gets yeah. the chip, but um, not his first, but. Uh, you're right, and that's a win for building up a super team as opposed to you know buying the players. Brooklyn Nets obviously have the failed experiment. At one point, had Harden, Irving, and Durant on the list at one point at one time, but were unable to achieve any great success. So, 
Well done to the Denver Nuggets. They will be celebrating very hard in Colorado. Um, Robbie, the AFL last weekend, I don't know what caught your eye. We can probably go through the games one by one relatively quickly. St Kilda and Sydney we spoke about on the show last weekend. Um, Port got it done against Western Bulldogs, but they've also played a game since then. Hawthorne and Brisbane Lions was the one that stands out at this point to me. Um, Interesting result here. I think that we said on the radio last week we wouldn't be surprised if Brisbane slipped up and there's concerning uh, form that they have at the MCG. But I didn't think the Hawks would get a win, didn't get the job done, and they did it easily in the end. Yeah, I think my two takeaways, obviously, one is that I think Sam Mitchell's done the right thing, getting rid of some older players, and Mm. he was criticised heavily by people in the media over that. Um, He's done the right thing, and I think he probably could be one of the best coaches in the league if Mm. if he pulls this off. Um, And the other thing is also the Daniel Rich and uh, Jack Gunston situation which we should dis- discuss mm. um, which is very interesting so what um, do they do itself so with those guys stepping down from playing mm. um, and playing at VFL levels so they're going to do mini pre-seasons to get themselves right I think having this conversation I think I think they're in the best 15 or 16 in the, in the club probably on talent and, the, and what they bring to a team um, Daniel Richard halfback with how the game mm. is run and, the, and opposition sides are starting to r- work through him um, and Jack Gunston's unable to get a touch and get into that running power that he used to have so there are concerns there I sort of don't find it that strange of a decision I think it's a decision of a top side that are set in high standards um, speaking to some of the Waratah boys you know even they had a, um, a very deep and meaningful conversation after losing to districts out at districts um, mm. you know last year and uh, maybe we'll touch on that after the break cause, yeah. yeah there's a bit of bit to digest with that one just a quick one do you reckon um there's another role for um, Rich instead of him on the halfback. You're saying it's starting to play for him. Do you bring him on as a you know a, a midfield change and just play him purely off the ball? No, I don't think, know. Yeah. There's a role quick, yeah, in right. AFL for five minutes in the midfield like you would maybe yeah, in the NTFL. Like the old days, yeah. If you could dob a few goals up forward potentially, but he doesn't scream out small yeah. forward to me when you look at Daniel yeah. Rich, I wouldn't have thought. There were plenty more to talk about, especially on that topic after the break. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Raymond Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end. Now time for our rain and horn segment. We have the first one, the 1-4 Gardens Hill Road at the Gardens. Located in a block of only four, this townhouse is deceptively spacious upstairs. It is private, though still located within walking distance to both the city, Mindel Beach and Botanical Gardens. You have everything at your doorstep. Featuring a spacious, multi-use dining area downstairs and three well-sized bedrooms, all complete with carpet and built-in floors, this townhouse is perfect for a small family. You and the whole family will fall in love with this comfortable townhouse just inches away from the heart of Darwin. Come see for yourself this Saturday, 10.45 to 11.15am, starting at 590000 So that's in Raf's price range. <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. Uh, the next one is for Hangong Avenue Driver. It's a five-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Perch high up from the street on an elevated block. This sustainably family home has a unique design that will inspire and delight those looking for a property that is just a little bit different. With a split-level design and the living areas upstairs and the bedrooms down, the bedrooms down, this floor pan would work well for the large family who needs plenty of space. Rob. At the rear of the home are open lawns, established tropical gardens and plenty of space for the kids and pets to play. Ideal for the home buyer with kids or extended family, this location is superbly close to parklands and the Palmerston CBD as well. 
priced at 530k and open this Saturday from 11 to 11.30. Yeah. Well, Sounds like something so that would suit Robbie, that yeah. one. That was that would suit the guru. I don't want to go out to Palmerston, but um, <laughs> yeah, they, they should all be up on the Rain and Horn website as well there, listeners. Yeah, no doubt. I would be contacting Rain and Horn. They will look after you for sure, just like they look after us in the studio every Friday morning. Rob, thanks for being on the ball there. I um, normally, you know, it's a, my favourite segment, um, reading out the properties, but I had a bit of a... Uh, my, my laptop's giving off some terrible glare at the moment with the sun. I don't know how to... How do you clean a laptop? Have you ever cleaned your laptop, Rob? No, I think you need one of those little special wipe things. Yeah, I did it with water like an <laughs> like idiot the other day, and yep. I think it's made it worse. But, oh well, that's life. You live and learn. Hey, we are going to just finish up on the Gunston and Rich situation as a bit of a final comment. I thought it was a little strange that they had dropped themselves, just given the fact that sometimes you might see blokes in that age bracket. They played 200-plus games of football already. Just try to work their way through that form issue, unless they thought that there were other players more deserving in the uh, in the VFL to get an opportunity, which perhaps they did. Jasper Fletcher's making his debut this week, and Kyle Loman's a young fella from Maryborough who has played really good football in the VFL. So perhaps they're getting an opportunity, and it's a leadership play by Gunston and Rich. But I would have thought that there would be some Brisbane people at the moment, maybe, hoping that they could turn their form around while still staying in the senior team. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely two blokes you want in your side um, when you're up and running, and especially come to the finals time with their experience. Um, but yeah, like you said, it gives some new new kids a, an opportunity, and, and now other players can put their hand up, and it, it makes your your squad even stronger when you've got more to select from, mm. and and give them a test before you know the, the serious end of the season comes about. So if you do need that young fella to step up and put his hand up for a, a mm. you know a late change, or you know just to change it up and give you another avenue. Um, yeah, I. I you know, take my hat off to both from you know stepping aside because, like I said, no one wants to drop themselves from any division or any side. But you mm. know, it's especially the top level. Yeah, I think it's mm. um a bit of a slippery slope for those two players because who knows the difference between a lock. A loss of form versus just a general decline. Like yep. we're talking about two guys now, probably what 32, 33, 34 yep. years old. So it can, it can sometimes be hard for those guys to fight their way back. Uh, p- plenty of positives for Hawthorne, as we said. There was a breakout game from Connor McDonald, 28 touches, two goals. Um, Day, Weddle, Newcomb, Warple, Moore, Ward. Plenty to like about the young Hawks. Mm. Um, despite, I, I put my hand up and say I shared the concerns that a lot of others had at the beginning of the season. Not so much that Jager, Amir, and Tom Mitchell were absolutely integral part of the future, but after a smacking in round one um, by the Bombers, I believe, I thought, gee, it could be a could be a long season for the Hawks um, and a tough, tough slog, but they're exceeding expectations in my opinion. Adelaide is another team exceeding expectations and they absolutely demolished West Coast last weekend. It was 122 points in the end at Adelaide Oval. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be a close game leading into it. Um, it was a celebration of Taylor Walker, his 250th game, and the big Texan ended up with 10 goals. Rory Laird, Jordan Dawson and Ben Keyes were dominant through the midfield. Hard to find too many winners for the Eagles. I think Bailey Williams is an underrated player, perhaps not someone who's going to ever be you know, an All-Australian ruckman, but one that can toil away and, and get his 20 touches. And I think he also had 35 hit-outs last weekend. Elliot Yo's building form. Tim Kelly's had a strong season from an individual perspective, but there are not too many positives for the Eagles. Yeah, um, Adelaide are going well. Um, I do sort of worry about their form outside of Adelaide, though, to make them a genuine mm. contender. They're going to have to finish fifth or sixth, perhaps. Similarities with Brisbane? Yeah, somewhat. Um, Dominate at home, different team away? Yeah, except yeah, I think Brisbane have won a few times outside of um, 
Brisbane, haven't they? But yeah. I think um, like Crows, have only, Crows have only got the one win um, outside away, so that's going to be a concern. But if mm. they finish fifth or sixth, playing them in Adelaide Oval is going to be um, probably one of the worst matchups. Oh, match yeah, you would not want that. Yep. Yep. Um, where to for Adam Simpson, Raph? Like, he's struggling a little bit. There's rumours that maybe he would take a couple of weeks or a couple of months off uh, just to reset. I believe he's contracted until the end of 2025. I could be wrong there. But for some reason, the Eagles have a plethora of people at that club, whether they be players or off-field staff, on these long-term deals. So it's not the easiest decision to just sack him and start fresh. Um, what, what do you do with Simpson? Yeah, I'd, I'd, then again, like, you only can go by what you, you can put out on the park. And, mm. you know, it, Adam Simpson could have the best coaching plan uh, you know, game plan going around, but if you don't have the the, the cattle to do it, you know, it doesn't it's, work. You, yeah, it's um, don't matter what what team it is and who you are as a coach. Um, you know, to get the best out of your team, and you know, the amount of changes they've had over the last couple of years, and you know, the, the, you go back to mm. the COVID when they had to go and recruit all those players that were available, and oh yeah, it's you know, it's going to be a two almost a two year, three year turnaround, and unfortunately for the Eagles and. Yeah, it's it's not good for for the, the mm. Eagles supporters, but you know, hopefully next year, um, you know, there's a bit of improvement. But I'd keep Adam Simpson. You know, I'd, I'd stay true to Adam Simpson and give him another another chance. Because like I said, he yeah. you can't blame him for what's happening at the moment. Rob, do you think that? Um, so based off what Raf said, spoke about availability. To go against Raf's point a little bit, do you think that the Eagles need to take responsibility for re-signing such injury-prone players, or perhaps maybe you know incompetent? And this is a very harsh words, but incompetent fitness personnel and, and people like can they is it what I'm trying to say is it too much of a cop out now just to blame injuries on form is, is, are we, is that too old fashioned because you hear Kane Corns and others say well the Eagles shot themselves in the foot by re-signing Elliot Yo and re-signing Nick Natanui and re-signing these older players Shuey that are constantly battling with injuries so do the Eagles need to take responsibility for that aspect I don't really think so I, but I, I do think it's old school in the, in the way of going through injuries but Eagles have been hit pretty hard with injuries mm. and um, I, I honestly think they should get a priority pick, whether that's early in the first round or um, after, like after the first round to pick 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think they should trade their number one pick. If Harley Reid doesn't seem like he wants to go to West, go west, mm. and there's apparently a couple of really good players around the pick yeah. five to ten mark that are WA boys. They've got a big decision I'd be, to make. I'd be doing that if I could get... If, if, if the, the raps on Harley Reid are massive, so if you get three first rounders for him, I'd be taking it. Yeah, you start building your own home... You know your home group, and and it's boys that want to be there and want to, are never going to leave you. And after a couple yep. of years, and every club comes knocking on the door to bring them home back to Melbourne mm. or wherever they're. Do you from. know what I would do? And I don't know. I I'm going to say this is a hot <coughs> take, but I might embarrass myself because it might have been in the media all week. But mm. I would, if I was Carlton, I would trade Patrick Cripps for the number one pick. That's what I would do. Oh, thoughts? That's a good one. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah. I package it up somehow. I don't know if that's going to be enough. It would be a starting point, though. That's for sure. Yeah, well, fifth. Brownlow medalist. It, it seems year. like the um, relationship with him and Vossi isn't going too well. Uh, you know, when the latest you see, and um, yeah, it it could be up for. Yeah, it's a, an interesting one. It's a good point mm. you bring up, but yeah, I'll, I don't think anyone's going to give I up. I think yeah, their looking best at player. that Carlton <laughs> midfield, that's that's probably a move that you know, I just I don't mind it. Um, trading off maybe with a first round draft pick considering that Cripper is 28 mm, that might this need some few it might be a bit more complicated than just a straight more, swap yeah a couple more cherries on top but that's I don't, yeah I haven't heard that I've, cherries that or cherries this week no nah, no nah, that's that's a hot take from Jacko over here the interesting one I've seen as well a lot of people um, not bad eh? <laughs> you know comments on the you know on you see on social media about Nick Nat like do you, do you think Nick Nat has to 
you know, put himself on a long-term injury list so you can replace him. Or He's out for the year, he, isn't he? Yeah, do so. you, like, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a spot there or even, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. So my Crips idea came because I have a one of my best mates is a Carlton supporting Nuffy, and I tossed it out to him, and it wasn't met with as much backlash as I thought. I mm. thought, oh, hang on, that might be, I might run with this here. Mm. But yeah. um, look, Nick Nat's a star. I love watching Nick Nat. I don't think over the last 15 years there would be, you know, only a handful of players more exciting than mm. Nick Nat at his best. Um, but those knees and everything else that he's been struggling with over the years uh, hurt him a little bit. We spoke about Bailey Williams, who's a young player that's got that development in him and have other opportunities because Nick Nat's been out. Um, but that's a tough one with Nick Nat. I think you still hear some some sections of the media saying that he should be traded. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's got enough currency. No. He's a Western Australian. He's a you know somewhat of a West Coast champion. Maybe not in that all time great sort of level as as a West Coast player, but definitely a star. And I'd like to see him finish his career as an Eagle. We do need to move on. Richmond versus Fremantle. Disappointing results last weekend by the Dockers. Um, the Tigers are looking okay, okay mm-hmm. under Andrew McWalter, who has actually moved in to favouritism now to be the next uh, Richmond coach, the next permanent Richmond coach. Uh, Tim Taranto and Shea Bolton, easily the two best players on the ground. Bolton had 14 possessions and a goal in the final term alone, and Taranto is an absolute workhorse and would have to be building himself into All-Australian contention. We do need to go to a break very soon, but thoughts on that game? Yeah, it was a great win by Richmond, especially the travel over there. And um, Tigers do have a fair few WA boys as well. Yeah. So. Second win on the road. <laughs> yep. Second win in a row on the road. Yep. Um, I did tip him last week, but I didn't didn't have the uh, balls, the kahunas, to do it this <laughs> week. Uh, last week, sorry. But um, they, well, they're sitting about 10 or 11. Um, we did flag this three or four weeks ago once Dimmer had finished up that I thought Richmond could still make finals. And I had him on my ladder predictor. I did three weeks ago. I had him 10th mm. or 11th. And that's without them beating Frio. So... There could be a sneaky chance now, especially with Geelong dropping a game last yeah, night. Tar- Taranto and Shea Bolton, the form they're into is bloody mm. unbelievable. Mm. And yeah, yeah, Shea and Bolton's been my favourite well. player yeah, mm. at the moment. So. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'd be more optimistic if Tom Lynch was back a little sooner. we got Hopper yep. coming back from after the bye, but um, Lynch is still a little while away. Plenty more to come. We will go through some of the other talking points from last weekend's round of football and, of course, all the big games in this weekend's round. Stay with us here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. As always, we are joined by Jamie Chadwick, the GM of Marketing and Media at the Darwin Turf Club. Jamie, do we have you this morning? Very good morning, boys. How are you? All good? Yeah, mate. Going all right here in chilly old Darwin. It's getting a bit colder, Jamie. Um, what's on this weekend in the world of racing? Uh, we've got a good seven-race card here. It's all building up towards our Darwin Cup carnival, of course, commencing on um, on July July 8th and running right through the Darwin Cup day on August 7th. So the fields are starting to um, really pack up, which is really good with seven seven race card, as I said before. Um, we feature in race five. I'm, I might throw one out there. I'm really liking a horse from, from the Chloe Baxter yard, and hopefully we can get a return. I think I'm about 0 from 11 to the times I've actually filled in for the great man. We're not giving up on you, Jamie. <laughs> Don't give up. Stay strong because uh, Chloe's got <laughs> Chloe back to one of our uh, trainers up here. He's only got a small team, has two runners in it. I think this one from um, from her yard to the point tomorrow. Race four, number race five, sorry, number three to the point with Paul Shires on board will run some sort of race first up from a spell. So you're liking that uh, horse there, yeah? First up from the spell there. Uh, what? How are we looking also, Jamie, for later on in the card, um, especially for the Bridge Toyota handicap. Well, the British Toy uh, out a handicap. I think later on, I think I've, I've got I'm the Dreamer, which is probably one of the better bets of the day. There won't be too many um, good odds about to It'll be pretty skinny in the market, I'm the, I'm the Dreamer. And Jade Hansen's riding in great form. 
they aren't halters teams really firing at this time of year in terms of coming back in the right time of year in the dry season. So you'd be worse off. You'd be doing a lot worse than following Tayana Holter's horses going into Carnival. So I'm a dreamer, certainly the one to beat in race six to, uh, tomorrow at Darwin. Awesome stuff, Jamie. You have a great weekend, mate, and good luck with everything going on in the racing world. Uh, good on you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, brother. Cheers, mate. NT Thoroughbred Racing. It is simply the best racing entertainment in the territory, Rob. Uh, back onto the AFL stuff. Um, just to close up the Richmond discussion, yes, I do think they are still alive and I hope they can make the finals. But, um, you know, as I've said before many times on the show, not holding my breath. See how we go. Uh, Great Western Sydney versus North Melbourne last weekend. George Wardlaw, the young Roo, another impressive performance. He was the rising star nominee during the week, looking like a very, very solid prospect. Giant skipper Toby Green continued his strong form with 24 disposals and three goals. Callum Brown's an interesting player. He also kicked three. Um, an Irishman, very athletic, can kick the ball an absolute mile, but he played an eye-catching game last weekend. Only 5,000 people in Hobart. Is that a disappointing figure, given the given the new Tasmanian team that's been announced? Yeah, I think it's um, disappointing, but it also gives us good... Um, it's hopeful for us up for the territory, in the territory, yeah. isn't it? Because we won't... I don't think we'll have 5,000 nah, games. So we'll nah. have 10,000 minimum we should have. And smaller population, too. Yeah, smaller population. So I think that was disappointing. Obviously, it wasn't a... Um, it wasn't a big seller, but even when I lived in Melbourne, and mm. I'd used to go and watch the, the smaller games because I knew it'd be less crowd, less Northern stuff Giants would get a, more than 5,000 up yeah, here. Yeah, I used to go watch Port and Melbourne in, in Melbourne when, when both sides were pretty low on the ladder, and at least there was no queue for, uh-huh. to get beers. Toilet drinks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. 10 or 15,000 at the G, it was uh, yeah, easy to get Good to the bar. <laughs> so. 100%. So, interesting, but yeah, I think it does help the territories push. Obviously, there's a lot more that comes into getting an AFL team than just your attendance, but it wasn't, wasn't great on the surface level, I nah, thought. not good. Essendon-Carlton, uh, two-metre Peter, very good in his return game, kicking five goals. Uh, and also, I've come around on Nick Martin. I wasn't sure how good a player he was going to become. He was overlooked in the draft. Eagles weren't interested in him, but he's been a star from day one at the Bombers and would have to be in all-Australian contention for that wing spot alongside, say, a Josh Dacos or a Mace, Josh Dacos or a Mason Wood, um, but really good. How much better a team are the Bombers when Peter Wright is in the side? Yeah, I think he adds a lot. Um, he will take the number one def- um, defender, and I think Weedman's a good player, but I think Weedman's not at the level to take a number one defender, and we've found that last few weeks, even Ben Mackay giving him a bath as well. Mm. Um, and there's going to be games where two-metre pair to struggles, there's no doubt about it, with some of the really good defenders and rolling defences, but he's such a good straight long kick at goal. Mm. I've got absolute confidence. If he's lining up from 55, yeah. you're, con- you're confident as hell that he's going gonna- to hit the back fence every time. Um, and you can't say that about the... Carlton boys, you no, know, Mackay and Kerno, they're just very unpredictable in their goal shooting. Um, and obviously, I think Carlton started really well, and we shouldn't, yep. on championship data, we should have lost by goal in that game, yep. um, which sounds about right considering the scoring shots. So it was a game that Bombers, I reckon we're probably going to have to fine-tune a few things from that first half. Awesome. Yeah, we do need to fly through some of these games because we don't have a lot of time left and I want to talk about this week's so yeah. Raf or Rob if I am going too quick for you feel free to cut me off uh, for a point Smash obviously Melbourne and Collingwood was a close game last weekend the comeback Kings Collingwood threatened but it was too little too late and the Demons got it done by four points great scenes on the day with the honouring of Neil Danaher and all the work that he's done raising money and awareness 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 for motor neuron disease um, the freeze MND slide is always a big hit and so many blue beanies in the crowd Jack Viney was excellent for the Demons probably his best game of the season. 370 games for Scott Pendlebury now. It's going to be interesting to see what figure he ends up with. Might be talking about that in future weeks. Um, 
Let's go to round 14. So one game already played last night with Port Adelaide thrashing Geelong in Adelaide. Brisbane take on Sydney tonight. Um, we spoke about this a little bit uh, before. Brisbane will be out to make a statement after last weekend's shock loss to Hawthorne. Franklin and Heaney out makes the assignment a much tougher for Swans. Uh, the Lions have introduced some youthful players in Kyle Loman and Jasper Fletcher. Uh, I got the do- I got the sorry the Lions here pretty comfortably. Yeah, the Lions as well. It's a big one to get their supporters back on board and make them believe that they're going to be a top four, to um, you know, a finals contender. Mm. Lions at the Gabba. Yep. Yep. Greater Western Sydney versus Fremantle. Josh Kelly a big inclusion for the Giants. Jager O'Meara returns for the Dockers. Giants are favourites, but perhaps probably just because the game's in Sydney. I don't know about this one. I think Dockers can easily win. Maybe 50-50 go the home team. I don't know. Where yeah, do you have yeah I can free ones back from their loss last week that probably no one picked. Mm. Um, so the free over would come in with all guns blazing, and I reckon they've got the, the, the horsepower to do it. Yeah, free over a close one for mine, I agree. Yep. Richmond versus St Kilda. This is a bit of sentiment here on the line here uh, by for the Tigers. Um, Cochin will play his 300th game for Richmond. The great captain, the legendary captain that I could talk about all show. Yep. Um, and we, three minutes, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we might touch on that after his 300th game next week. Yeah, some, of the, some of the controversial things that I've stirred up before on the internet. Get him on then, Clark. Some yeah. of the Selwood comparisons. Yeah, yeah. we'll try to get him on. Um St Kilda generally match up well against the Tigers. Obviously, there's all the Marlon Pickett stuff. We don't have, you know, don't have enough time to talk about all the Marlon Pickett stuff this weekend. Who's your tip? I'm uh, going Tigers here. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll lean towards Saints just because I'm a Saints man. Old mob. Yeah, I'll, I'll back them Class in. against each other here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sorry, Mini. <laughs> um, yeah, you you would have played with. Yeah, McAlter. That's Good actually to see him in there. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. Gee whiz, I forgot about that. I've got to... Um, That's all good, mate. Raph, Next we've, one. we've got to talk more about <laughs> Mini McWalter and yeah, your experiences with yeah, him in definitely. future episodes. I forgot about that. Jeez. Yep. got such expertise on this table, Rob, and we're just overlooking it. Yep. Um, well, I'm going to go for the Tigers. Probably no guesses, guesses where my allegiances lie there. Carlton versus Gold Coast. This is a good game. This is a game I'm really looking forward to. The Suns are coming off back-to-back wins in Darwin and then the bye, while the Blues have struggled with form issues for, what, the past two months, really. Um, despite this, though, the Blues will go into the game as favourites. Does this surprise favorites. you? Mm. Uh, a little bit. Um, MCG. I, I think if Carlton can play the way they did in the first half and convert goals, they'll be fine, but I'm actually tipping Suns in this one. Yeah, I'm leaning towards the Suns, and even how badly Carlton needs this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Suns because the Darwin boys are all playing well. Hmm. So clearly no one here rates the Blues. If you're go, both going for the Suns, that's that's their season shot. There's no sugarcoating that. If the Suns win this in Melbourne against the Blues, the Blues are going to yeah, be a bottom bottom six team probably. It'll be just, a big week yeah, for the Blues. Just waiting too much on, on things to go right at Carlton. Um, mm. I, I don't agree with sacking Voss though. I will say that. Need to keep that stability. Yeah, keep the stability. Yep. And North Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs quickly. Three players omitted by the Dogs, Jones, O'Donnell and Bruce. Um, obviously got all that Clarkson stuff still hanging around North Melbourne. I think the Dogs should be too strong here. Yeah, Dogs, dogs. dogs are an easy one. It's probably the only yep. easy one for this week, I think. Pretty much. Pretty good mm. round of football, boys. I'm looking forward to it. What's, yep. What are the weekend plans? No, go for a bike ride soon. Yeah, no, catch up with a few people I haven't seen, all the family I haven't seen for a couple of weeks. So, yep. yeah. yeah, very nice. What about you? Uh, nah, sit down and watch the footy. Last week, <laughs> of, last week of school coming up, so just prepare for that and, and look forward to the holidays. Thanks for joining us here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.